just a quick warning that we're going to be talking about some sexual assault in the context of mythology, death, birth, existentialism, religion, mysteries and secrets, and some bleeding. So if you're not in the right headspace for that, then maybe just skip these next few episodes. Welcome to yet another episode of A Hopeless Endeavor, a Joanna Newsome lyrical podcast. I'm Sam. I am Nikki, and thank you for entrusting me as one of your two hosts to guide you through this emotionally turbulent, magical, perhaps uplifting, perhaps moving, perhaps down-putting journey through this. <laughs> beautiful song it's 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 a song all right it's it's a it's a it's a thing of its own um, it is a thing of its own it's hard to know where to even start with this song. like i think more than usual just when i was looking over things this morning i was like okay i want to talk about like the elicinian mysteries and like okay but wait what what does time as a symptom actually mean? I'm like, I'm going to look into that. Okay. But like, what about like, um, what about like the river of time? What about like, oh, like what is the actual definition of debasing? What does it actually mean to be a life liver? What about the blood? Like, where do we go from there? I was just like, blah, 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 blah. So this is not going to be organized. I mean, not that we ever really are, um, but there's a lot going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on and it all feels very important. It feels yes. important to the whole context of the album. It feels important in and of itself because we both fucking love this song. It just feels like these very big things that we have to get to. So we'll try our best and we hope that you guys send us some voice memos to help us along with this um, seemingly insurmountable task of trying to decipher this song a little bit. Yeah, at the end of our last recording, I was feeling pretty good. I think we were probably both feeling pretty good. Like we had put, you know, at least like a toe in the waters of this song. Um, I don't know if I'm carrying those feelings forward still. <laughs> but... Well, we'll see how this goes. It, uh, I could see it going either way. It could be very like exciting to talk about it, but also this might get chaotic kind of quickly. So like we'll see. <laughs> yeah um so do we just dive right into the the lyrics and just see where those lyrics take us i think so last time we did lots of overviews stuff we talked about some blessing all the birds we talked about talked about some michael hicks articles talked a lot about how we feel at the end <laughs> a lot about the cycles and circles of this song and anecdotes and the album as a whole so i think i'm ready for lyrics Let's see what happens. Um, Sam, I'm going to leave the lyrics, the first verse up to you. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay. So do you start us off with the last song on Divers, Time is a Symptom. She sings. Time passed hard. And the task was the hardest thing she'd ever do. But she forgot the moment she saw you. 
Yeah. Sad face. Nikki's just making a sad face at me. Because we said this, I think, last time, but like just immediately you're just like, oh, time did pass hard. Yeah. <laughs> it was the hardest. Like, okay, let's get into it. What is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think that the first line can be a pretty general statement for anyone, anywhere, but like within the context of this album, I think immediately of Waltz and like our narrator's journey through time and space on Waltz and like how our narrator probably really felt that in her body. Like it would passing through time would probably feel physically and mentally really, really hard. Um, I also think of like, you know, someone who's approaching death or I don't know, some kind of big consequence or something that reflecting back on that would feel like time has passed really hard. Um, but also in general, just like time fucking sucks. <laughs> time <laughs> passes hard. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah. So my like initial first impression was that like on the first reading, time passed hard and the task was the hardest thing she'd ever do. My mind just immediately goes to birth and labor and like the process of bringing life into the world. And then I guess that's also like informed by the but she forgot the moment she saw you like, look, she has a baby now and like all of that pain gets erased. And we'll talk about that more in the next verse. So that's like my first interpretation of this, which I think holds. But then I think that there's probably also more going on, like you were saying. So like for anybody, life is hard, right? Like life is so much suffering and no matter who you are, you're going to experience loss and struggle and strife and... um and given the multiple narrators on divers, I feel like it is more of a, um, yeah, like general statement or a statement that can apply to more than just somebody who uh, has given birth. Yeah, I mean, I think of our our flight attendant from um, from a pin light bent. Like, can you imagine how time passed for her as she's falling from? the plane back down to earth like that would feel pretty hard I think um <laughs> that would feel pretty hard. yeah I'm trying to think of some other narrators we have our waltz we have I mean like uh, fuck everyone from Sapaconican like all of the different layers of history I think of like the triangle shirtwaist factory fire um like <clears throat> the the two poems that we covered in Sapaconican about the city of ruins and like, um, I think that can apply really, really nicely to, um, that song as well. Like our soldiers and anecdotes. Yeah. But here we also have the task was the hardest thing she'd ever do. So it's not only placing us like, squarely in the present but it's also comparing the like the hardness of this task to anything she's ever done or anything she will do so we have a pretty clear um character here we have a she um and whatever she has just done is 
an impossibly hard thing. Um, I love the idea that it's birth. Um, yeah. I think Michael Hicks mentions that in one of his articles about this song too. Um, but the context from the Michael Hicks article is more Greek mythology, um, Persephone and Demeter than and Hades and I think Poseidon um, than just like, um, you know, a person giving birth. Which we'll get into. We'll get into later in the song for sure, for sure. Um, yeah, so I, I mean, I love all of that. I think we need to talk about what the she forgot part was too. But before we, or in like why she forgets. But mm. um, before we do that, I also, I had this like thought and I wanted to know what you thought of it um, today when I was thinking about this verse. And I was thinking like, okay, so if, if the first part is birth, might it also be death given the themes of this album and the themes of the song and like where we know we're going? Um, like when we circle back to anecdotes, because I was thinking like death might also be really hard in this way that parallels birth pretty closely. And so the process of dying might be really hard. That could plausibly be the hardest thing she'd ever do. And this theme of forgetting, um, might apply not only to like forgetting the the pain of birth or the pain of bringing someone to, into this world uh, upon seeing whoever the you is. Um, but also it could be like, we forget everything that we've been through in life or like people mm -hmm. forget everything that we've been through in life. Um, and that you could refer to somebody else, maybe like God, maybe the yeah. new life, the reincarnated, like whoever the, Nightjar souls are going to be diving into to those to embody their souls. Um, so yeah, I was wondering if there might be a parallel to death here too. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense with the rest of the album. I mean, album, and I mean, our next verse is uh, including both birth and death and forgetting. Um, it makes me want like, and I don't have an answer for this, obviously, but it makes me really wonder who the you is then, right? Is it like someone who had, like you said, someone who had like passed already and we're seeing them again in the afterlife? Is it some sort of God figure? Is it, is it the reincarnation? Right. Is it I, I child, don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this? And it makes me think of when we were talking about the the swooping of the grim reaper and like what um that moment between life and death kind of looks like and where I, I don't remember when we talked about this but where that forgetting happens like is mm -hmm. it the second the grim reaper separates life and death is it like the first moments of death is it the last moments of life like when do you lose those those memories the first moments of birth or, or yeah conception yeah. or whatever yeah. right yeah 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 that's I think those are interesting questions I think the question of who the you refers to is um an interesting one that we should keep in mind throughout a lot of this song because later we're gonna get um uh you know lyrics like the moment of your greatest joy sustains which I think is more like the royal you like the moment moment of one's greatest joy sustains but then we also get things like um uh will dance in the dust of me and you with joy of life right and so I think that the me and you yeah 
I mean, assuming that it's constant throughout the song, which maybe isn't, is not a safe assumption, but I think that it might be important to, to at least keep the question in mind of who the you is. To me, it seems most straightforwardly like it would be this person's baby if this is about birth. Um, but I don't want to close myself off to other options here. Genius is, I'm so sorry to the annotators of Genius for these lyrics. I'm sure that you guys are very intelligent and insightful people, but I do have to say the lyrics, the Genius annotations are like notably unhelpful here. There's one that there's only that there's like one annotation for this verse, which just says, just says that often cited as the most physically demanding tasks in a woman's life, childbirth is also a time consuming process, but this laborious task is all worth it. The moment the woman sees her child and one comment that says time being the theme of divers. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Cool, cool, cool. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, which I don't think is necessarily wrong. No, I don't think um, so either. But yeah, I don't know. I, I want more. I want more, <laughs> I want more answers. <laughs> yeah. It's also very interesting to me to, to describe birth as a task. Like it is absolutely a task, but that's, it, it sounds like, it, I don't know. I don't know what it seems weird to me about that word. It just seems, uh, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. I don't know. A task makes me think like something that you add to your to-do list, right? And yeah. birth seems much larger than something you can just check off as, as does death, right? Like, right. like, you know, um, so I get that feeling, but then it makes me wonder, okay, like what else is involved there then? Right. And you know what? I just had the thought that like maybe the task is meant to be purposely ambiguous between all these different interpretations that we've been talking about, about like how time could pass hard. And so like, Sam, at the beginning, you had men mentioned like the um, uh, the narrator in Waltz. And mm -hmm. so like if um, if we're talking about the woman character in Waltz, then we have somebody who is tethered to to the earth while her partner goes off and explores in spaceships and time right mm -hmm. and maybe the task there is something like waiting or not knowing where her loved one is right and so not only does that give us like these different tasks that the different narrators throughout divers might be forced to endure or to get through or to check off their to-do lists or whatever but it also uh it it gives us these uh, morphing versions of you too. It, it, there's yeah. different yous if it is yeah. supposed to be able to apply to any of these narrators. So maybe for the narrator of Waltz, the you is her partner who's gone off to space. Maybe for the narrator in Divers, it's supposed to be um, her partner who is diving down in the waters. And maybe mm -hmm. for, you know, somebody else, it's supposed to be her child. Um, but given that we know that a big theme on this song is love. Um, I love the idea that time passes hard because of love mm -hmm. in any of these interpretations, right? The you is just the person who is loved, um, like, and like filling your different narrators here. And the task is like something to do with uh, having to endure something because of love. I love that. I love that not only because 
Um, it makes me feel better. <laughs> it makes me feel less like we need to pin down exactly what she's trying to say. But also because it ties, it gives us a little bit of freedom with, I don't know, tying together the rest of the album. Like, I go back and forth in my own interpretation of being like, this is the last song on the album. We need to like wrap things up because it's not right. Like it's very much like we talked about on the last episode, um, how cyclical this album is. And you can play it right back into anecdotes and like how beautifully the morning dove calls um, line up together and like how, how uh, with the greater themes of this album, how much it makes sense that it keeps continuing on and continuing on. But like, it makes me feel better that like you could listen to the entire album from the perspective of one narrator and then listen the second, third, fourth, fifth, hundredth time with different, different narrators. And um, I loved what you said that it's the you is just the loved whoever is being loved. Um, right. That gives us a really nice flexibility here, I think. Yeah, I love that flexibility and I love the way that it might tie into the themes of like, um, like we'll get into it obviously, but like if time, love is not a symptom of time, time is just a symptom of love. We're going to get into that. But if, if, if one of the things that that entails is that like the only reason that any of this matters is because of love and moreover, like we'll do crazy shit for love. We'll do anything. Then it gives a sort of an explanation for like, um, or not even an explanation, a description of the enduring that a lot of us have to do for love and um, an, in, an explanation of like why we ought to endure time passing hard um, because we forget. We forget about all that struggle and strife upon seeing our loved ones, seeing mm -hmm. the loved. And that is comforting in a way. It's kind of comforting and horrifying at the same time that like you can, you know, you can have time pass so hard you can work so hard you can love so hard and that's kind of poof at birth or death I don't know at, yeah at birth or death or like reuniting with your loved one or like mm -hmm. whatever um yeah it's funny because like if we didn't know what she says in the rest of the song just based on this verse and actually the next verse too it sort of seems like we don't get we don't know whether she thinks this is a good thing or a bad thing. Like, should we be forgetting? Is it good that we forget upon seeing our loved one? Or like, should we be remembering this? Like, should we be taking that struggle and strife more seriously? And now that I'm saying that, I actually, I'm not sure that we do get a straight up answer to that question. Maybe we should be remembering how hard it was. But how does that change the processes, right? Like if we remember... It just seems like too much to carry, man. Like if you, if, if we're talking about this from an angle of reincarnation and if as you reincarnated every time you remembered everything from your past lives, the good and the bad and the, the really hard tasks, like that just seems like too much. It does seem like too much, but like what is being lost? Like, so yeah, there's, there's like what is being gained, which is like the ability to live without going completely insane and like mm -hmm. without collapsing into a ball of tears every moment I think that's what we gain by forgetting maybe yeah. but like what is lost we lose wisdom of some sort we lose 
not only wisdom, but also like the taking seriously of the the inevitable pain involved in life maybe. And I mean, particularly I want to like insert like f feminist interpretations of uh, the way that we view birth versus the way that we view death here, which is that like, like there's the pain endured uh, because of birth is very often uh, women's pain and that that is taken less seriously as society is like quite unsurprising given the patriarchal structures in place. And so I want to think that like, yeah, on the one hand, it would be good if culturally we could remember how fucking painful it is for every single one of us to be here because my God. Um, yeah. But on the other hand, like depends what pain <laughs> we're talking about. Was that something that Melissa Marciarona wrote on one of the Blessing All the Birds articles too? Or was it Rachel who pointed out that like, <clears throat> that we come in to the world because of a woman and what was the point? Oh, so last time we had talked about, I believe it was Melissa's point where she was linking, she was saying that like, look, women and motherhood are obviously tied to, to birth and life. But in a way that is talked about much less frequently, they're also super tied to death. And on this album, we have um, death feminized in a way that we don't often see. Is that the point you were talking about? I think so. I fucking love that point. I'm obsessed with that it's point. By so my, my cool. Melissa. Yeah. Like if you guys haven't read that article, we've linked to it in the show notes. Go read it. But just the general thought that like death is also feminized, that mothers have reign over death in a way that is analogous to the way that they have sort of authority over birth is it's, it's fascinating to me. Yeah, that's something that stuck with me last week for a while after we read that article together. It's also just like, and I know we said this last time, like the beginning of this song, I, I'm, I, I'm sure we said this last time, that we start with time past hard is just like so... It's such an emotional way to start the song. It's such like an honest, almost like a really simple way to express everything that's happened in the entire album. <laughs> like yes. it really pulls on your heartstrings, on my heartstrings yeah. at the very least. Like, Me too. I can't, I can't help but tear up with that line. That's a really good way of putting it that like, to like distill down a lot of what's already happened on this album and like the experiences of our narrators, like time past hard is a good way of putting that. And also one that unsurprisingly can apply to like her listeners too. like it, it is just a very devastating line in its simplicity and its brutality and honestness. Okay, should we go to the second verse? I guess so. I don't I don't really want to because I don't feel satisfied with any of those answers, but I think that's just the vibe today. Yeah, We're not going to, you know. That will be the vibe. And, like, it feels like we did that quickly, which we probably did, but also I feel like this song just ups its levels of complexity yes. as we go throughout the song. So... <laughs> yeah. Like, we got some stuff to get to still. Yeah. Um, and actually, I think... We, I think that one of the New York Times um, quotes that I had read last time uh, references exactly that, that this song starts off calm and straightforward and like 
you know, relatively simple, at least both in musicality and lyrics. And then by the end, you're like, what the fuck just happened to me? I mean, we're already like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Right. And so, yeah, that's just to highlight how much shit we have yet to get to. Yeah. Okay. So I will continue with the next verse. She continues. So it would seem to be true. When cruel birth debases, we forget. When cruel death debases, we believe it erases all the rest that precedes. Okay. So I was having a hard time with what debasing was meaning here. Mm -hmm. Did you look up some definitions? Yes. And the problem is that too many of them make sense to me. So (laughs) debase means to make something less good or less valuable. It can also mean to make someone morally worse or less deserving of respect. It can mean to reduce something in quality or reduce something in value, to make something corrupt or impure, or to corrupt morally or by intemperance um, or sensuality. Um, So we have all of this corruption. We have these ideas of value and morality and respect. So where do we go from there? I have... I spent so much time this morning, Nikki, looking at this one paragraph being like, I don't like, I think I understand the base idea that like, in my very simple terms, like when shit, when birth is really, really bad. Oh, is that what I even mean? (laughs) Like birth and (laughs) death, birth and death awful, difficult, hard, powerful things. When these awful, powerful, violent things happen, it can be erased by something that comes after. Like the memory of those awful, hard things can be kind of like mediated by like, if we're talking about birth, the awfulness of birth can be debased by seeing your baby. Um, the in like the Greek myths when Demeter finally finds Persephone um, after she was taken by Hades, like her seeing Persephone again might debase all of that struggle. Oh boy, when cruel death debases. So in the awfulness of death, that can be forgotten by like, by what? By like reincarnation, by same kind of things as before by seeing God, by, I don't know, maybe like finding peace Mm. by the ending of time. I don't know. What do you think? Oh, that's, that's interesting. So I, um, I think that I don't know how to express this properly, but I think that I took the verb debasis to apply to a different subject than you the thing that is being debased I think I understood differently but I'm not at all confident in my interpretation either so from what I understood um I think that that your theory is that it applies to like the pain and of the process of birth right so like the thing that is being debased as in like lowered in value is the pain of birth and the thing that is being debased for death is like the the pain of the process right 
I think so. I yeah. think that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so the way that I had understood it, and I, I don't know what I think now, um, but is that the thing being debased is the people having to go through it. So I was thinking that like when cruel birth debases us as in like, like not lowers our value, but like lowers our dignity almost like these are both experiences, birth and death are these like two experiences in life that like when you go through it, there is no, you can't put on any airs. You can't like, if you witness somebody else going through either birth or death, you immediately, um, your dignity is lowered in this way or like this pretense that you can put on for being this like person with like who has their shit together is, is totally torn away. And so you become just the most human. Yes, exactly. Yes, exactly. Like animalistic almost, which is funny because it like, yeah, it, it brings out the most animalistic part of being human, which is these like very base, like impulses, these very, just very, to the core of like what it is to exist impulses, not even impulses, but like the crying, the screaming, the pain, the like mourning, all of that is just like really hard to go through. And so whoever is going to be going through it, there's not going to be any, um, there's, there's no, um, like hierarchy in birth or death, right? Like we're all brought down to the same level. And so I was thinking that like when cruel birth debases us in that way, like brings us to our knees almost, we forget about the pain that came before. And when cruel death brings us to our knees, uh, we believe it erases all the rest that proceeds. I don't know. I don't know if I like yours or mine better now because uh, yours makes sense too. Okay. So you are centering. Oh, I had it. It was in my head. You are centering. Like the people who are undergoing the pain of birth and the pain of death. Those, those are the things being debased. And it gets erased. The pain gets erased. Um, yeah. So like when we're brought to our knees by the pain of birth and the pain of death, this thing that happens is that we just tend, like once we're through it, we just tend to forget. Um, it's like an amnesia almost like the, the, the intensity of those experiences are so much that they're debased because we kind of need to forget in order to move on. Okay. I mean, I love that. And I guess in the, in the case of birth, I might have a different answer for the case of death. So in the case of death, I do think that the reason we forget about well, actually, I'm not sure. Wait, sorry. The thing that we're forgetting in the case of death isn't necessarily pain because the pain sort of persists, right? Like if someone that I love dies, the pain lingers for a really long time. But what we're all really afraid of, I think, is that upon our death, like we will be erased. We, The person who dies will be forgotten and erased. Um, so like the pain persists, but like the memory of us, we think that it it gets erased. But I think that maybe the the fact that she says we believe it erases rather than just it erases is telling that she doesn't she wants to say that no there's actually something that endures beyond your death um and we're mistaken in that belief. But I'm getting ahead of myself maybe. No, I don't think so. 
I'm just grappling with all of this now. <laughs> Good There's time a lot to, to grapple. Yeah, yeah, totally. It's. I mean, I think at the very least we're doing like a really clear. We're doing. She's doing a really clear comparison here, right? We have cruel birth. We have cruel death. I think what I'm sticking on, getting stuck on now, is that that word proceeds. When cruel death debases, we believe it erases all the rest that precedes. Is it like the contrasting of all the rest, which seems to make like look forward, but yes. precedes looks backwards? Yeah. And then like, what are we erasing? Like, are we erasing? Is it that like death happens and we lose those memories? Is that what we're we're talking about? Or is it like you said that? as we're dying we think that we won't be remembered but we we are that those memories linger for a while i mean it could be intentionally creating that that sort of tension it could just be like we believe it erases all the rest of our lives other than death everything that came before death we think that mm -hmm. it erases but like it it doesn't right that like that like the lasting memory you might have of someone who has died is their death but that's not actually what sticks with people it's all of the preceding things right so you like the the fear is that um we're all afraid that like look once I die like everything that I've done is just gonna mean nothing like it'll like I'll be dead and so like mm -hmm. that's the end of me right but so that's the fear is that that's the end of me. My death is the end of me it erases everything that I've ever done because it it there's no more me to like, you know, be there to like remind people or to have an effect on people. But yeah, yeah. But like, I think she's going to argue that's not the case. You know what I would love if at some point in her life, um, our artist, our artist here sat down and just gave us the answer to all of these <laughs> things. Um, you know? Yeah, I think I would love that too. There's one part of me that's like, absolutely. I just want her to talk about these. Like, I want her to do her own A Hopeless Endeavor that is called A Hopeful Endeavor. And she just like lays it all out for us. Yeah. And at the same time, I'm like, but it is so fun to not actually know. Like, it is so fun to have different theories about these different songs. But I do hear you. Like, we're un untethered. We need some some sort of direction. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I just want to, like the student in me, the academic in me is like, can I have a grade? Yeah, like, <laughs> like, give us the me. answer. <laughs> Am I in the right, are we even writing in the right direction here? <laughs> um, I think that the annotation on Genius is worth reading. It's long. I will give you that warning, but I think that it's a lot more helpful than the previous one. So will you bear with me? It's yeah. a Nabokov heavy annotation. Yes, okay. And I think you love. actually shared this exact Nabokov um, yeah, quote snippet. Yeah, I don't know which episode it was in or if you just texted it to me and you were like, this is fucking insane. Well, I don't remember the episode either, but I remember the content. I was, I was creating a course in medical ethics and I was doing a unit on death and I was like oh my god this Nabokov quote like we need to read it but and it yeah, was about I, the baby yes, in the cradle seeing yes. its mother wow good or job, something Sam. right yes 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 exactly okay so there's there's I'm just gonna read it <clears throat> 
So this person says, oh, first, <clears throat> before we get into the Nabokov stuff, this is, I think, an important point. So this person says, the lines here answer a question posed in Divers, the song. Tell me why is the pain of birth lighter born than the pain of death? They continue. The joy experienced by a mother viewing her child, a new life, for the first time overcomes the pain of birth. Can death be similarly overcome? The observation here is reminiscent of the opening pages of Vladimir Nabokov's memoir, Speak Memory. Um, so that quote again is, the cradle, the cradle rocks above an abyss, and common sense tells us that our existence is but a brief crack of light between two eternities of darkness. Although the two are identical twins, man, as a rule, views the prenatal abyss with more calm than the one he is headed for, he is heading for at some 4,500 heartbeats an hour. I know, however, of a young chronophobiac who experienced something like panic when looking for the first time at homemade movies that had been taken a few weeks before his birth. What particularly frightened him was the sight of a brand new baby carriage standing there on the porch with the smug, encroaching air of a coffin, even that was empty. Uh, even that was empty, as if in reverse course of events, his very bones had dis disintegrated. Nabokov goes on to say, Nabokov goes on to say, nature expects a full grown man to accept the two black voids fore and aft as stolidly as he accepts the extraordinary visions in between. Imagination, the supreme delight of the immortal and the immature should be limited. In order to enjoy life, we should not enjoy it too much. But Nabokov rejects this assumption. I rebel against the state of affairs. I feel the urge to take my rebellion outside and picket nature. Over and over again, my mind has made colossal efforts to distinguish the faintest of personal glimmers in the impersonal darkness on both sides of my life. That this darkness is caused merely by the walls of time separating me and my bruised fists from the free world of timeless is a belief I gladly share with the most gaudily painted savage. Okay. Uh, here, Newsom is calling for the same rebellion of imagination, imagination and joy against nature in her own terminology. Time. So I looked up um, when you texted me that and both of us just said, how did he learn to write like this? <laughs> I still have that question. It's so good. The Bruce fists. Oh, I love him, obviously. But yeah, like I love that that the idea that in order to enjoy life, we should not enjoy it too much because like we get so attached to this joy and there's this, what he calls imagination, the supreme delight of the immortal and the immature should be limited. And so like the idea that, that yeah, just by taking too much joy in this life, we then get more to lose, right? Then we have more to lose. More can be taken away from us if we like love it here. Uh, but then he goes on to reject that, that assumption, which I think, yeah, is very much reminiscent of what's going on here. I love so many things about this passage too. And I just have to give you props here, Nikki, because you texted me this in January saying you wanted to read it on the podcast. And here we are in July. <laughs> You've done it. So great following up. No, we, I, I love... think we read it. We read it in January, I think. Oh, did we? I think so. Okay. Because sick. Yeah, I think. I don't know. <laughs> I believe you. <laughs> yeah, who knows? <laughs> Potato brain. Um, this idea of the prenatal abyss is really interesting to me, too. And that that um, he describes it as 
two eternities of darkness and our existence is a brief, brief crack of light in between. That's horrifying, <laughs> but also like comforting in a weird way. Yeah. The philosopher Lucretius uses it like in, in, in an explicit argument, which is supposed to, or like that is, yeah, essentially it's supposed to be a comforting one about how death isn't actually bad for you. It's supposed to be the idea that like, look, the the abysses of darkness are the exact same before and after life. And so like, yeah. look at the one before life. Are you afraid of that one? Do you feel like terrible for the you who didn't exist yet? No. Okay. Well then like, don't, the one that comes right after our life is exactly the same. So like, you shouldn't be afraid. You shouldn't be afraid. <laughs> Yeah. And but I, I think I find comfort in that, too. And I think maybe that is exactly what she's talking about here. But then he also uses the word chronophobiac, which that. I've never. Oh, it's so good. Like if there was an alternate title to this album, yeah. it could be chronophobiac, <laughs> which just means like afraid of time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, fear of the passing of time or more generally of time itself. Capital T time. Yeah. I love that he describes himself as a young, then a young chronophobiac. Yeah. Like me too, man. I am yeah. a self-proclaimed yes. chronophobiac. <laughs> and yeah, clearly our narrator, or maybe even Joanna herself, seems to be a little bit of a chronophobiac, perhaps before the album was written, before she came to find peace in uh, the takeaways of this album, because... Yeah, it's an album, if nothing else, very obsessed with the passing of time and like what to do with that. Great passage. Incredible writer. Incredible. <sighs> okay, so where does that leave us, Nikki? Hmm. Well, it th I, I think that we might be done with this verse unless you have more on, the, on this verse. Do you? <sighs> no. You know what this stupidly makes me think of? <laughs> <laughs> I've been getting commercials on YouTube lately for this water balloon filler device so it's like a thing you put on your hose oh, with like a yeah, hundred yeah. different little pokes and you can fill up like a hundred water balloons at the same time and i feel like with this song we are filling up a hundred different water balloons of ideas that like that they're not all like getting filled the same amount i don't know that's what my brain feels like right you know what now. I actually think that's a weirdly apt analogy. I was like, where is this going? But now I'm like, yeah, I get it. I do understand. We're like very slowly and unevenly contributing to like a whole bunch of different like buckets or water balloons at the same time. And maybe, maybe it'll, it'll even out as we go, but maybe not. Maybe. Yeah. Probably not. Probably not. We'll just add like another attachment to with another hundred water oh, we balloons. We can't have another hose. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> the only other like thought that I had was the word erases just sort of made me think of Sapaconican themes and like the tabula yeah. rasa like mm -hmm. we talked about how time ravages things so much that like we like the physical evidence the physical remnants of previous entire civilizations just gets completely wiped out in this sort of tabula rasa this blank slate and it just made me think that like time here is doing the same thing to humans, or at least we believe it's doing the same thing to human experiences. Um, Joanna might, or the narrator of the song might argue against that. But um, yeah, just the idea of it being erased is something that that seemed connected to Sapkonikin. Yeah. And I then I wonder how much like, 
how much control we really have over the remembering and forgetting of things too, right? Like we talked so much about the hand of God and who writes history in Sapaconican and how much like, if any, probably not any at all control we even have over any of that process. Like if you are in the brief flicker of light and you're heading towards like um, that darkness, you don't really you don't have any control over what you bring with you. No, you certainly don't. Like erasis feels like such a strong word too. Yeah, it really does. Um, erases, like not just forgets, but like, cause like forgets is like, yeah, but somebody else might remember, but erases is like undoes, like, right. Like yeah. gets rid of the evidence. Forgets is like, it still exists. Yeah. Like it could be recalled. It's still somewhere in like the individual brain or the collective brain or like society's remembrance, but erases is like gone, gone, yes. forever gone. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Shall we continue? I guess so. I guess so. Okay. Now. Wait. Okay. I'm so sorry. Are you mad that I interrupted you? I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so angry, Nikki. How dare you? <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I realized that was off-putting as a as a call out, but I just looked at my notes and saw that I actually had a Rachel Parent thing that I wanted Sick. to read here. Throw it so, down. Let's go. I believe that I read this last time, but it applies to this first um set of verses really nicely. So I thought I would reread it if I did already um touch on it. So Rachel Parent of Blessing All the Birds in the Delving into Divers article writes. Birth is a forgetting, as is death. The cruelty of life is that we cannot remember, though we try, in art and story and song, to cling to this earth and these memories and this specific time. We forget in the moment we are born the lives we have, we have lived before. At death, we are forgotten, despite our best efforts. Time moves and flows both ways, and we must stand brave and understand our place within it. This place, this time, all places, all time— Birth and death are not so separate, it seems. The birth at the beginning of time as a symptom is almost certainly this type of birth death, as it was the hardest thing she'd ever do. It is a mother coming face to face with the birth of her child, her own rebirth as a mother, and the death of herself before motherhood. Motherhood is inextricably linked to both the world of the living and the world of the, de of the dead, and therefore time itself. Again, like incredible perspective and writing yeah nikki did a chef's kiss yeah <laughs> yeah yeah so i just wanted to reiterate that just in the context of these lines because i think that it just very directly applies and is so good <laughs> it's incredible i've reread these blessing all the birds articles probably 10 times each <laughs> and i never get i it's I, I don't know it's like listening to this album right you always pull something else Totally. Out of it that you missed the first time. A hundred percent agree entirely. Okay. Now you can uninterrupted read Thank you. the next verse. Thank you. I don't really want to read this verse because it's so sad. It's so sad. Okay. It's so sad. I know. I feel like we should have warned at the beginning of this uh, of these of these episodes that like 
literally we might burst into tears at any second so like bear with us i'm sorry if you guys are like happy on your saturdays and we're just like hey guess what death (laughs) but that you know is liable to happen it's nothing new i loved that on the instagram post for part one someone had commented something like i'm ready to cry and you responded immediately with me too Like, yeah, I think I think people are with us. I think if you're having a really good day, maybe don't do this right now. (laughs) Maybe don't do this right now. now. Also, maybe your version of a good day is crying. If you're like me and Sam, where you just like revel in sadness sometimes, like there is a little bit of that happening. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully you're one of those. If not, see you later. See you later. (laughs) Okay, And she sings. And we're starting with a conjunction again here. So we have, but stand brave life liver, bleeding out your days in the river of time. Stand brave. Time moves both ways. And this is like a fucking revelation here. We're like, what? (laughs) What? At least I'm like, it moves both ways? No. (laughs) You're so funny. Oh, my God. (laughs) I so appreciate that reaction because like, yes, it's so revelatory and confusing, I will admit. Like, I have to do a bit of mental gymnastics to figure it out. But like, I feel it more than I can describe it. You know, I feel the truth of it more than I can (laughs) articulate what it might mean. But we're going to we're going to try. Yes. So I do have my little plaque that says Stan Brave Life Liver constantly right in front of me as I'm doing any work because that is time passing quite difficultly. You know what? I have one too that was mailed to me by Alexis. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have another one. Alexis, shout out to you. I have my stand. Yeah. You can't see it up there, but there's a very beautiful moth on it and it's gorgeous. It's a gorgeous piece of art. Um, That's right. Two Stan Brave Life Livers. In this office, because which is a lot of standing brave and a lot of living life. (laughs) It is, but like, oh, I remember hearing this for like, if not the first time, the first couple of times, and just feeling so appreciative of this like raw, brutal, like bare, stripped down acknowledgement that like from from someone like Joanna Newsom, who is the most eloquent, she just has the most like incomparable ability to 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 communicate these like really large and heavy ideas metaphorically and through the use of like very complicated imagery and it's all like obviously we're all here because it's like so moving when she does that but then that she does it makes what she does here, I think all the more hard hitting, which is like what yeah. we've talked about this before, but when she just says things in these straight up terms, it's like, oh, like it's just this straight up acknowledgement that like you have to being a human means that you have to endure some shit and like you're gonna need to be brave. And just like hearing that from her is so, I don't overwhelming. know. Overwhelming. Yeah. Overwhelming like actually strength giving though and like yeah affirming validating of your experience that like this is hard and I think it's really inclusive in a beautiful way too because we're saying like we're addressing 
people who are living stand yeah. brave life liver anyone who lives a life like here you go yes. this is this is like your prescription for getting through and not yes. that it's like an answer not that it's like a simple request but it's an acknowledgement of the awfulness of everything and yeah it's just beautiful that we're life livers bleeding out our days in the river of time uh in a very literal way this makes me think i was talking about like periods yesterday with my partner and was like i wonder how many speaking of bleeding in the river of time how many periods have i had in my life as someone who has had periods for 15 plus years oh, um God. more than like 250 probably <gasps> Is that what it adds up to? For me. Yeah, but like, is that 15 times 12? It's like 20. I think it was 20. I did 20 times 12. Oh my God. That is so many periods. And I feel so proud of myself and you. Uh, I feel horrified by yeah, that. That's a lot. That's a lot that's of too bleeding. many. That's yeah. too, I mean, it's a lot of months generally, but yes. like. When we, when I think of bleeding out your days in the river of time, that's the first thing yeah. I thought of was like, oh, like we are literally, if you are someone who has a uterus and a period, um, passing the days, passing the months, that's like, that's, oop, that's very much a measure of time. Yeah. Marking the time by periods and menstrual cycles. Yes. And also just like an astounding amount of time and blood but and like you know hardship like the <laughs> hardship that comes from the, that whole cycle it's not easy and speaking of cycles you know I don't think this is that far-fetched speaking of cycles exactly so while we're on the uterus theme here mm. before we get into like these maybe these bigger themes one of the interpretations I had of this verse or that I was like sort of playing with in this verse is that Look, we were two seconds ago, we were just talking about birth, maybe. And when she says here, but stand brave, life, liver, bleeding out your days in the river of time, I think one interpretation of that is that it applies to everybody. We're all bleeding out our days into the river of time. All of us yep. need to stand brave. Yep. And life is painful. Life is awful. Pain right. equals blood equals right. time passing. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And like the idea of each passing day being like, you know, equivalent to losing blood is like super like that's a great metaphor I think that's like very it makes the passing of time seem like really urgent and like it's doing the thing that's killing us like it is slowly yes killing us. it really is yeah um <sighs> which is brutal and beautiful and like I love that image but the other thing it made me think of given the proximity of birth conversations here is that like and given how much she links birth and death in this song, is that like maybe we have someone who's dying in the process of having given birth um, because they're bleeding out. And like maybe like because of how closely linked those things are, I don't know, maybe it's just like reminiscent of the idea of bleeding out after having given birth and dying as a result of birth, which seems like a very feminine coded sacrificial motherly type of thing to be going on here but I don't know that was just a thought that I had mm -hmm. 
I think stand brave makes sense in that that context too. Mm-hmm. Stand brave, life lover. Okay, so the, who is, is so yeah? When we already talked about the the possibility that maybe she's talking to everybody with stand brave, life lover. We're all living our lives. We all need to stand brave. If you're hearing these words, then like it applies to you. Um, but I was also think maybe the life like whoever the you is that she had taught that she had um, addressed earlier in the song maybe she's addressing them specifically here too so whether it be like her child which would be so sweet like a piece of motherly advice Mm -hmm. stand brave life liver um, or her partner herself Mm -hmm. yep i think all of those apply really beautifully here and time moves both ways I think in my interpretation was just like the life death fluctuation, like that, the cycle of everything. Like the cycle of everything makes it so that there's no beginning and end. Is that the idea? Maybe. Yeah. But if we're saying both ways, are we only talking about backwards and forwards? Or is it like in waltz when we're talking about like that, prism diagram Mm. of space time (laughs) Mm, i didn't think of that that's cool though just for the listeners that diagram had like a vertical axis and a horizontal axis and was describing space time as belonging to as like occupying this real physical space that you could like map with coordinates coordinates if if i'm right about that i think you are so i also stopped this verse at time moves both ways but that is in fact incorrect because the verse continues. Oh, is it? Also, is it not its own verse? Um, I guess there's a space on it, but there's also like there's a space between this and the nullifying defeating, but there's also just a comma. We don't right, end right. with a period, so um, it's also it also does seem like such a direct message here too, right? Like we have stand brave colon time moves both ways. And then we move into the nullifying, defeating, negating, repeating joy of life. Okay. Yeah. So that's the, yeah, you're right. So that's, that's the next part or the next verse, I guess. Right. Mm -hmm. And it just repeats the nullifying, defeating, negating, repeating joy of life. Yeah. So I, I really struggle with the time moves both ways part. I think that you're right that the cyclicalness is definitely part of the explanation for what she might be referring to here. I think that there are like these more complicated metaphysical themes that I I struggle to understand and articulate, but like sort of feel the pull of um, uh, like in terms of like time being an illusion and um, I don't know, stuff like that. Um, What else here? Okay, so the, the Rachel Parent line that I was thinking of before that might inform the time, move bo- time moves both ways line is she writes, in loving we face time, we face death, we face the ending and beginning and the forgetting. When we love, we understand that at once that we have endings and yet through love we ensure endless beginnings. This is the joy that lives on. Okay. So time moves both ways in the nullifying, negating, nullifying, defeating, negating, repeating joy of life. 
So that like implies that something about the joy of life is what makes time move both ways. Is that fair? I think so. Okay. But then we have all these descriptors here. Like nullifying, defeating, negating, repeating. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of those descriptors? So what does nullifying mean? Is it, can we consider it the same as erase? Like to null something? In my head, nullifying, yeah, it's kind of like erase, but it's also kind of, to me, it refers to like, I should just look up the definition rather than just like guess at it. But (laughs) the thing that I have in my head is that like, if you have a plus one, then to nullify that, you'd need a negative one, like to bring it back to zero. Okay. But yeah, negate, like that, it's very close to negating in my brain. Let's see. So nullified nullifying is to make null. And null is having no legal binding or force, amounting to nothing, having no value, Mm. having zero is a limit, having, but then also nullifying could be to make of no value or consequence. So what does it mean in this context then? The nullifying joy of life. Is it that we have birth and we have death and those like null each other, those cancel each other out? Hmm. Or that like there's both joy and pain in life and like those are constantly in flux? Yeah. So I get the, my thought here is that this verse here, if we're including like the last bit that we read to uh, is supposed to like the but I think is important. It's supposed to serve as like a, um, I I think it's supposed to serve as a something in contrast with what we were just talking about. And we were talking about like, oh my god, like when when we die, we believe that that erases like our entire lives. But 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 like stand brave because we have this nullifying joy, and so this nullifying joy in my interpretation, counterbalances the pain and the fear of being forgotten and all of that. It, it like, yes, that is hard to deal with and you have to endure and you have to stand brave. But there is this joy that, that counteracts that, that like fights against that mm-hmm. and defeats mm-hmm. it actually. Not just, not just fights against it, but defeats that hardship and that this is something that happens over and over again right Right. we have the nullifying of this joy then we have the defeating of whatever's uh, working against joy and then we have the negating again and then it repeats yeah right it negates the pain it negates the suffering and then i i love the repeating adjective here because Mm -hmm. Not only is it like it gets back to the cyclicalness that we were talking about, um, like maybe, yeah, just there's those themes already. But it makes me think, too, that like, like in what way is our joy, does our joy of life repeat, especially after we die, if we can talk about our own deaths? And I think that one way is like through the effect that we can have on other people. So like um, if I have joy of life and I, whatever, like raise my daughter with the joy of life, then she can go on and affect other people with joy of life and like continue that cycle. Um, or just like the people that I interact, like strangers that I interact with in the morning and like am kind to, right? Like that that multiplies um, and and repeats 
because of your effect on other people in that way? I don't know. I mean, I love all of that. And I love the idea that, like, like you said, if you raise your daughter with joy of life, that that kind of is a cycle in itself. Um, and I think that makes a lot of sense with so much of her music, right? That if you share that joy, that it's more, I don't know, more likely to be repeated. Yeah. That it spreads. Yeah. I was telling Sam before we started recording that like two seconds before we started recording, I found um, an art- a philosophy article of all things uh, called uh, The River of Time. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, I absolutely need to read this. But I haven't yet because it was two minutes before the thing and it takes me more than two minutes to read philosophy articles. So I'm going to read it and I will get back to you guys next time. Um with if it's good I will talk about it if it's not we'll just ignore that this ever happened but um (laughs) (laughs) but uh incoming potentially it starts with the lines there are certain metaphors which we commonly feel constrained to use when talking about time we say that we are advancing through time from the past into the future much as a ship advances through the sea into unknown waters Sometimes, sometimes again, we think of ourselves as stationary, watching time go by, just as we may stand on a bridge and watch leaves and sticks float down the stream underneath us. Events, we sometimes think, are much like sticks and leaves. They approach from the future, are momentarily in the present, and then recede further and further into the past. Thus, instead of speaking of our advance through time, we often speak of the flow of time. Sometimes we carry this line of thought further, further. Thus, there are occasions on which we feel inclined to say that time flows at an even rate, while there are other occasions on which uh, we want to say that sometimes time flows faster than it does at other times. Um, Today, we may say, has just flown past. How different from yesterday when the time just seemed to crawl. Maybe it was passing hard. Hmm. Anyways. Mm. So I found that kind of compelling. Yeah, I love the metaphor of the river with sticks, too. Mm Mm-hmm. I was very curious about just the, um, like, origins of the comparing, the the comparison of time as a river. Mm-hmm. And I found this Wikipedia article on time stream. Um, okay. And it just says the time stream is a metaphorical conception of time as a stream, a flowing body of water. Um In Brave New Words, the Oxford Dictionary of Science Fiction, the time is more narrowly defined, the term is more narrowly defined as the series of all events from past to future, especially when conceived of as one of many such series. Um, uh, This conception has been widely used in mythology and fiction. In the history section, it says that the ancient Greek philosopher um, Heraclitus was famous for a statement that has been translated in many ways, most commonly as no man ever steps in the same river twice, which, Mm. yeah, I'm sure all of you guys have heard. I mean, I think if we are thinking of time as a physical river, then there's also a few other metaphors here, right? That you could like float along the river. You could float along in the river with time Mm -hmm. that you could observe time flowing past you. There's kind of like an actionable 
sequence to be followed there. Mm-hmm. That you can participate in the river of time with the joy of life. Or not, maybe? Hard to say. Like, are we standing in the river while time floats by us? Or are we, like, propelled along with the river? Yeah. Gr- yeah. Well, uh, yeah. As we're bleeding out our days, is are, yeah, are we floating along in the river or are we sitting on the bottom? Like, I'm picturing, like, standing in a river with it, like, like going past me but like slowly eroding my legs like the the places that it's touching you know like it would with a rock or something and just like until I am reduced to nothing yeah okay well this was part two of time is a symptom um you can find us all over the internet if you want. Um, You can now leave us a voice message. It's the top link in our link tree um, from Instagram. Um, Or you can go to speakpipe.com slash a hopeless endeavor. You can send us an email if you'd like a more polished voicemail, but um, don't feel obligated to do that at all. Um, Our email is a hopeless endeavor at gmail.com. We have an Instagram which is a Hopeless Endeavor podcast. We post there at least once a week for every episode release, but you can also send us messages on there if you have um, thoughts, feelings, paragraphs. If you need a link tree. If you need a link tree, it's there. It's there. Um, Nikki runs our Patreon. Yes, that is a uh, patreon.com slash a hopeless endeavor. There you can find early episode releases, Sam and I, and bonus episodes. Sam and I just recorded a bonus episode on Little Hands in the ongoing, slowly moving series that we're doing on some of her new music. We're just doing initial impressions. Obviously, we're going to get into uh, way more depth when the album is actually released, the new album, assuming that it's coming, which let's just feel, let's just, let's just assume that for our own mm-hmm. hearts. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, check that out there if you guys are interested. There's a Facebook group, a Hopeless Endeavor, I Joanna Newsome podcast. Uh, yeah, thanks for being here with us, you guys. We will be back next week with part three of Time as a Symptom, probably the most important fucking series we've ever done. At least that it feels that way in my head. Uh, All right. So we'll see you next week. (laughs) Thanks, guys.